Welcome to Black Creative Healing, a space for radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering the Black community. I'm Natasha Thomas. And I'm Adenike Webb. We are your co-conspirators, co-facilitators, conversational doulas, and fellow travelers on this journey. Before we go any further, we want to acknowledge the deaths at the hands of the state, victims of misogyny, racism, just bigotry on the whole. We know George Floyd, we know Ahmed Aubrey, we know Nina Pop, we know Breonna Taylor, we know Regis Kraczynski Paquette, but there are so many more whose names we don't know. And that is maddening. Uh. So we want to honor those names and the many more, uh-huh. the many more, <laughs> who deserved better. Amen. Yeah. Even those whose names we don't know, we grieve their losses. Their losses are felt. Uh-huh. The, collective, the collective sense of grief and rage is palpable. <laughs> you know, no, yeah. one has ever, no one's ever truly forgotten or gone. We remember. No. Yeah. We do. So, you know, I started um, Black Creative Healing as a video blog just because I was having all of these great conversations with other Black creatives. And it just occurred to me one day after, you know, the bajillion conversation that, you know, I wonder if other people might like to hear these. <laughs> and so it just started with us, you know, with me putting these, these conversations together and, and growing them into broader collaborations that now, you know, it's sort of funny when you look at a choice you made and then months later, how valuable it was. The origins of Black Creative Healing as a video blog really sort of forced me to think about um, distance and collaboration across distance and how do you still feel close to someone when you're thousands of miles away? How do you build community with someone who's not in the room with you, let alone in the same city or state? So that, you know, it's sort of interesting to reflect on those episodes now and that's sort of what we're going to do for this first um, uh, this first podcast episode, you know, it's been, I've been, well, both you and I, Adnika, have been part of the Black Music Therapy Network for years since its inception, really, uh-huh. and on the steering committee. And so when it came up, the possibility of having Black Creative Healing be a part of the Black Music Therapy Network's offerings, you know, something that could be hosted on the website and shared with general membership and, and sort of fueled by, by questions from within the membership and, and, and supporting um, the work that's done there and beyond there, you know, in so many ways, like this timing is just 
kind of perfect to have this opportunity yeah. to to revisit some of these old episodes and and forge ahead as well into new spaces you know the conversation with uh Vilesa thompson that's gonna um make up the the latter half of this episode is really really timely as well so yeah it really hit me today that black creative healing mm-hmm. is such a powerful statement it is. Like I was, I was almost kind of joking when I said radical conversations, but, but they are in this climate. Yeah. If we are talking about having agency to be creative for the purpose of well-being, mm-hmm. given that there is so much out there that does not even want us alive. Yes. You know. Yes. That, that is radical. So this, you know, this is a lifeline, or could be a lifeline. Yes for yeah. some people yeah. like and I think it like I, was, I think it's great that there's this action component mm-hmm. you know it's not just listen to these people talk and walk away to with a nice conversation in your head but you get that plus resources linked yes. to resources yeah you know so you can take on something yeah if you want you can engage in something if you want yes which which would to me like it would be like a lifeline like you said, this space is, I'm grateful for spaces like this and for people like you and the relationships that we have in the Black Music Therapy Network and other spaces where we can go, you know, to just be like, I'm hurting <laughs> and just be mm-hmm. metaphorically held in comfort, mm-hmm. you know? We need those spaces now more than ever. We do. We, we really do. And it's funny because on the one hand, it seems almost like a luxury, like, oh, a place, a podcast that can direct me to getting in touch with my feelings or that can encourage me to take a risk with my art, with my music, with my journaling, whatever it might be like. It sometimes feels like you do those things when you have the time, you know, right? you make the time to eat, you make the time to sleep, you make the time to shower and all that stuff. But maybe I paint on Saturday, maybe I don't. Maybe I play the piano on Tuesday, maybe I don't. But this is, it has to be intentional, this creative healing. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there are, based on what you just said, there are very few spaces where we can exist comfortably, safely, yeah. where we are held, where we can process the pain, where people can understand um, yeah. So it's it has to become an intentional space. Right. You know? Yeah, because the alternative is is death. <laughs> Literally you know, and, maybe, and figuratively. Yeah. And maybe that's my role for now. Like, you yeah. know, nothing ever happens by accident. So it wasn't by accident that you asked for a co-host and I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do this. Yeah. Even though it feels like, you know, just like a whim. But um Yeah maybe my responsibility is to hold space yes those who are fighting yes they can come in and be recharged yes be held yes be celebrated yes and then they get back out there yes and it's not to say i will never get out there i right i, I hope i'd be brave enough one day to do that yeah but maybe my role is to be like the is to be that holder of space that right you know when you need it like you know you like you know what i think of like a not a hotel but like an inn 
you know? Yes. So yeah. like people, like an inn in the old days, you know, people yeah. on their way somewhere, you come in, you rest, there might be a bunch of travelers around the fire or wherever, and you all sit, share stories, get something to eat and drink, and then you go back out. But but the innkeeper is always there, always welcoming, always providing this space yes. so that you can, can keep going on the journey. I can yes. fortify you to keep yes. going on the journey. Yes, yes, yeah. I So I've been writing up uh, an arts-based heuristic um, revisiting of the first three episodes, actually, of, mm-hmm. of Black Creative Healing and sort of interrogating the reasons why I undertook this project. You know, like, why am I doing this? What what inspired me to do this? What motivates me to keep doing it? And what do I hope to achieve? You know, and I I ended up writing this song um, that I hope to share eventually. It's not, not in a publishable state yet, but one of the lyrics is, um, I lay the ground for joy without fear of gravity. Mm. And it's just sort of what you said, you know, like, I'm... I'm holding space, I'm creating space for people to enter and feel secure, even mm-hmm. if just for a moment, and to, like you said, rejuvenate themselves, to fortify themselves so mm-hmm. that they can they can return where they need to return or go where they need to go next and be better and stronger for it. And I think that that's, that's valuable. Yeah. You know? We need people to to be holders of space. We need people to be movers, you know, people to help transport people from space to Mm -hmm. space. We need Mm -hmm. people to be, you know, providing supplies. Like I think of one of my friends and and former collaborators for this project who's in Minneapolis and who has been Mm -hmm. driving supplies out to protesters and that's vital, (laughs) you know? Yeah. All all those roles working together are crucial. Yeah, like it's, it comes back to that whole thing, like, you know, no one body part is Im- more important than the other. Like, yes, they're all you know? needed to make the body yeah. move. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. And like, I thank you for, for that space to kind of reflect on that because yeah. I really was wondering what is my role in, in all of this? What responsibility do I bear? Because I know I have certain leanings and I have certain abilities, but where do they play? How do they fit into what's going on now? Into all and this. I, and I was always, and I was also thinking, it's so, oh, so appropriate that it's a black music therapist that started Black Creative Healing, you know, yes. like because, you know, how many, like, for other, for, prior to all this, like we 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 needed healing, we needed right. spaces for healing in our right. community, yeah, and to have it come from someone with experience in mental health hmm. and you know like from the community for using um, a creative model like it's so it's just right it's just, it's so just like, right yeah. yeah it's just right yeah I also want to say in the you know in the context of discussing how this came to be how this transition to the audio format came to be that in um discussing in the the Black Music Therapy Network how this um how Black Creative Healing could fit within that framework, I'd been thinking about making a shift to an audio-only format for a while just because video editing is a lot. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) let me just make this easier. But then it also came up, you know, the idea of having a co-host 
you know, and, mm. and having that be something that helps also to share the load um, in a logistical way, but more than that, something that invites um, further collaboration, like it deepens the levels of collaboration to have you here, you know, oh. like we're, we're processing together, you know, right. wonderful. So it's not just engaging in the collaboration with whatever guests come in to the project but we're collaborating together too and processing together yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful for that so likewise yeah so I wanted to make sure I said that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 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 ready to ready to dive into our first clip here of course yeah again all of these original black creative healing episodes are on youtube but our first throwback is episode one with anika mcdonald who is a social worker uh in florida who utilizes creative methods in her um everyday clinical work um predominantly dance so in our collaboration she and i uh, put together a dance uh video that featured the music of Moses Sumney and Snow Allegra. But our conversation leading up to that, um, that dance collaboration involved discussing the idea of um, blackness and creativity as pop culture wants us to define them. Yeah. So here's a little clip from that conversation. Black creativity is honestly, it's something that I noticed that we've been growing into more recently as pop culture yeah but there's still so much to unravel because blackness already has an idea and concept this is blackness and that's it and we want to be sure that we are the representatives right yeah. so it's like yeah. it has to look a certain way it has to be a certain way or else it's not authentic it's not real it's not yeah. it's like can't yeah. we free ourselves of the idea that we have to be all things wrapped up in individual packages yeah. like can't we be individuals yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that, <laughs> that first conversation, I feel like sort of perfectly ties back to the idea that, you know, white folks get to just be, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we don't. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, and that whole idea that there's individuality within blackness, you know, like, like anything else, in any culture, in any group of people, we, we're, we're comprised of individuals and we're not going to be the same we're not going to think the same or engage the same with with things and and to say that because of our our skin color we should be performing our lives and our identities and our creativity a certain way right is, is denying our human the fullness of our humanity it's limiting Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and we do it to ourselves sometimes too, right? Right. Within that's, the black community, sometimes yeah. we're like, well, well, you, you yeah, I can wait when you say that or when you do that. Or right. Yeah. You know, and, and that, I, I don't know where that comes from entirely, but um, I'm so, I'm so glad that you guys were talking about this, that, that we have such a full range of, of, of creative experiences available to us that we don't have to stay locked into this is what blackness is as a creative expression. It's right. whatever you decide it to be, you know, right. it doesn't take away it, what you, however you express yourself does not and should not take away from your membership to a culture or a group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in part of my like reflecting on these episodes and writing up, you know, the the paper that I mentioned, I've done some digging into like the sort of um, repackaging 
of black creativity and how it gets fed back to us through mm -hmm. through pop culture um and how uh minimizing and damaging that is because it almost like it starves us <laughs> you know yeah. like it it yeah. i think the phrase that i used was that it divorces what we create from the communities that create them you know, and sort of turns them into carcasses of themselves. And we are, like wow. you said, we're so much more than that. So much more. Yeah. Than yeah. Yeah. So uh, onward to episode two um, with Tiffany Morris, a.k.a. Base Monster Tiff uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, where I used to live actually before moving to Indiana, where I am now. Um, we talked uh, in this sort of magical non-linear conversation <laughs> Tiffany and I talked about um the power that music holds on an almost like spiritual not almost on a literal spiritual level on a like metaphysical level and uh Tiff in particular said some really cool things about uh the bass and the role that the bass plays in um in a band and in life <laughs> so here's that it's a very important position to play bass, bass or drums in a funk band. Like that's the heartbeat, and you might you might get noticed when you're playing right, but you will definitely get noticed if you mess up. And, right. Because uh, you are the foundation. They don't want like a shaky, right. foundation. Like yeah, we talk about that in music therapy all the time too. Like building a rhythmic ground or creating a secure ground for people to feel comfortable entering the musical interaction and the idea is to get people on the dance floor or to take people into the experience with you if they don't right. feel like there's a secure musical ground to step into ain't nobody gonna start stepping <laughs> so i love yeah i just i love i love that conversation that moment in particular but in the last time that you and i talked about this moment ednika you said something yeah about, i, I yeah. was just I was just struck with that, you know, well, um, you know, I, I'm assuming Tiffany presents as a woman mm -hmm. and just the whole idea when she's talking about the base being the foundation and you don't get noticed, you may or may not get noticed, but if you mess up, you will. Yes. And I thought about how in many ways, the black woman provides the foundation for the community, the black community. Yes. Yeah. And if she's doing her job, so to speak, mm. you know, performing as expected. Right. She may or may not get accolades. She may or may not get noticed. But if she deviates yes. from that uh -huh. anyway, then then there's an issue, you know. And, right. and deviation could could be a, a variety of things, things that people might want to explore, and things that probably may not be healthy to explore. Who knows? But um, but I I was just struck by that. Like, what a metaphor for the role of black women when you talk about the role of the bass, the ground, the heartbeat, the rhythm. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it, it had never occurred to me until you said that, that that metaphor was in that moment, you know? And I'm, I'm really like excited to release this episode and see if Tiffany even thought about that metaphor in that moment, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, it just, I don't know, it, it just, it just seemed like so powerful to be like, wow, yeah, like, she's holding it down musically but in what other ways is she holding it down and when she doesn't hold it down the way people expect like 
what happens? Right, right. And that, I, yeah, that I feel like is actually the perfect segue into talking about episode three, because in the collaboration with Zelda Lockhart, um, who's an author in North Carolina and uh, was part of my PhD cohort at Leslie in uh, Expressive Therapies, she opened that episode with a story about... Um, a time when she was not behaving as expected by a white woman in a grocery store who mistook her for uh, for staff. So here's that moment from Zelda. And she's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I'm like, uh, huh? And she's like, I really, I really need you to stop what you're doing and help me. And I said, I don't know why that's true. And she's like, I need somebody to help me right now. And you're not, you're not, and, and I, I started calling on anything. I was like, Lord, Jesus, Christ in heaven, universe, mother, God, somebody. And she moved out of the way. Huh. I was like, it doesn't usually bother me. Feelings never get hurt. I'm 54 and I'm black and I'm American. Right. It's hard to hurt feelings. You know, yeah, you get, your feeling, you get over it, right? Okay. But I was like... Oh my God. That's it right there. Yeah. And it's just like, that's a microcosm, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the smallest ding that could have happened in that scenario. (laughs) It could have been so much worse and it is so much worse for so many other people every single day. (laughs) Boy, is it. Yeah. And that I actually, so I, I wanted to share two clips from the collaboration with Zelda because that, um, that sort of formed the foundation of our collaboration is that discussion of how it could be so much worse because Black women are constantly in danger. You know, and we were we were talking, Zelda and I, about her her child being in South Korea and wanting to go, like, explore, and, and Zelda being like, I want to make sure that I know where you are at all times. And so she's using mm-hmm. this app, like, to track her, and the conversation sort of continues from there. So we're on, like, the app. And I'm like watching her, talking to her and watching her move. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, the fear is real. Like the, everything that that, that that fear is rooted in is absolutely real. We are yeah. targeted, you know, we are abused all over the world. Yeah, you know? this is true. That's, but it's that's like true. finding that space, that balance to give ourselves room to play. Yeah. Is yeah it's like, hard. how do you play when you pray? Oh! How do you play when you're praying? Write that shit down. <laughs> I love this moment so much. You can't see it, but our hands are just flapping and we're laughing and oh, it's just so And cold. then send it to me because it's going to be a jump start. <laughs> yes, it will be. And it just, that formed this whole like wow. collaboration between the two of us. She gave this amazing writing prompt of how do you play when you're pray? And it just, it just went from there. Yeah. It, yeah. And those are questions that like we can answer on an intellectual level, you know, like we can try to answer in a Mm -hmm. cognitive way of how you play when you're prey. But I think like on an experiential and existential level, that's actually a very difficult question to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a thought about that just now as you were speaking you know, how do you play when you pray? Mm-hmm. And it seems so more poignant given what's happening 
right you know right now in Minneapolis mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um in was it Louisville where Breonna Taylor was, yeah, was shot yeah um so just this idea that having a space like this kind of creates and gives a little permission to play yeah you know yeah like when we were talking earlier about this being like that in that place where you come in you get you can rest you can get your food your drink and then you move on when go back out on your journey right this this can be that place like that rest stop you know yes and you're taking that long trip when you get out and stretch your legs when you get out and see the sun whatever it may be Um, right we may not have the answers for what your play might look like or need to be right but hopefully this can give you a place to at least imagine yeah yeah and it can serve as you know like zelda refers to them as jump starts you know her writing prompts are like creative jump starts and i really like i encourage people to check out the videos, you know, from those collaborations, particularly the videos that are marked part two, where we do actually create something together because the, those are hard to put into words, you know, to describe like what Zelda and I end up doing with that prompt is, you know, we share uh, our written responses, like the, the sort of like dramatized um, nonfiction of our lives, you know, like, Zelda's specialty is memoir writing and that's Mm. the work that she does and the work that she helps other black women do like she um she's sort of referred to what she does as literary midwifery you know like it's it's yeah so what she and I end up creating together builds on our existing lives and memories and then grows into like this singing this live Mm. singing that we do together and then into almost the psychodrama of us embodying our inner children talking to each other as if we're like speaking through a portal you know like who are you where are you right now you know and it's just so amazing and like I said it's hard to put into words if you if you aren't able Mm -hmm. to see it and experience it you know and the same with with the the creation that Tiffany Morris and I make you know she plays her bass and I uh, create this bizarre looking pastel (laughs) fantasy you know on paper and in in real time you know while she's playing in New Orleans and it's just yeah you kind of have to yeah you have to be there if you can (laughs) if you get a chance to see those you know I encourage listeners to definitely check those episodes out but they also sort of you know now as we're thinking about episode four now the conversations that came up there because there's it's a huge collaboration between myself and my sister uh, Sasha, who goes by Tatiana Woods on uh, on all the social medias, and Paige Reynolds uh, and her sister Dika Rocks. Again, so timely about the many roles that we can take and the many forms our creativity can take, and how all of that is valuable and needed, you know, mm-hmm. in order to help sustain ourselves. I think is really. Um, is really timely too. We as a people don't always have to use the Western mold of like what support is. Like we can support each other in a variety of ways. This is yeah. so on time. The barter system. <laughs> One of my friends was like, buy me some sneakers. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, treat the artist with respect and integrity. 
like <laughs> as all as all people who are laboring should be. So like if you also understand that your skills yeah. are valuable too, then maybe and your labor is valuable as well, then like what can you trade with people? Like I'm not in a position where I can pay people monetarily, but I can give still <laughs> in other ways. I think this is a way of valuing and enriching each other on an on a deeper level, on a more meaningful level. Yes. Grow some roots. And yes. to other places. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in, in our conversation, we, we have that, that discussion of multiple ways of supporting and sustaining ourselves. And I think that's relevant always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's creative too, right? Creative is not just limited to arts production and arts consumption or, or engagement, but creative is really being innovative, being um, um, inventive with, with what you have and what you do. Yeah. So if, if we typically think of supporting an artist by, well, I've got to buy their album or, or, if, or, or, or I've got to pay people to do it this way. And, and like you were saying in your example, you know, a creative way to support someone might be a barter system, mm. might be some other kind of promotion or something like, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, and, and I think about it, like we really are a bunch of creative people, like creativity runs rampant throughout the, that, the diaspora. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and acknowledging that is not always, is not always art based or arts related, but it's in the way we problem solve. It's in the way we, organize ourselves it's in the way we get people together so right and yeah. i think it's all it's embedded in us in a, a sort of indigenous knowledge that we have that goes back generationally to mm -hmm. the like mother continent like i think our people have been doing this for a long time like we had systems <laughs> that, yeah. that predated you know western standards that were working then and that do work now and it's interesting to see you know, I'm thinking in transitioning to, to discussing episode five with Hakeem Leonard, a uh, music therapist in uh, Virginia. The Virginias, yes, Virginia. <laughs> um, uh, so um, in talking with him about how whiteness or people who are um, aspiring towards whiteness, right? And so the, the discussion that he and I have specifically centers around um, uh, the Jamila Woods album Legacy Legacy, um, which looks at, you know, these each track is named for a historic figure uh, in, in the African diaspora and is sort of a conceptual poem, some of them based on actual quotes that these people said and some of them just on their like lived experience. So in this, in this clip, we talk about um, the track Baldwin, which is named for uh, James Baldwin. That song just hit me. When it says right there, you don't know a thing about our story, tell it wrong all the time. You don't know uh -huh. a thing about our story, wanna steal my baby shine. Like I really looked at that as a level of, like you're like talking about white people in particular, like mm. uh, that that embody whiteness. Like you're, you're, you're standing in this, like we just talked about this place of, of perceived objectivity and norm and norm normativity yes and trying to understand my story while being centered like you 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 can't you can't tell my, you can't even interpret my story while yes yeah yeah 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that that moment of you can't even interpret it. You don't even Mm. know what you're seeing. (laughs) Like, Mm. you don't even know. You don't even know. And that to me is like, even though no one's ever asked me this question directly, I know it's in some people's heads, some people being like non-Black people. Like, why are you choosing you know, why Black creative healing? Why is this, is this only for Black people? And it's like, anybody can listen to this. Anybody can enjoy these conversations and collaborations, but Black people get to be the center here. Yeah. Because we don't often get to be centered. Yeah. Whiteness whiteness expects to be centered all the time. And Mm. I just, I can't allow that here. (laughs) Not here. Yeah. The one space, you know. Well, well, isn't that part of the healing though? Like being Mm. able to center yourself, your community. Like, um, you know, when people talk about about um self care, like you know, you can't pour from an empty cup if you know if you're caring for others. Like, you have to, you have to be center at some point. You know, you have to make the decision that. I am worth the the time, whether it's for sleep, whether it's for fun, whether whatever it is, but I am worth this time. And right now I need to do it so that I can go back out and be mom, or I can go back out and be dad, or I can go back right. out and be child. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so to have this space where it's black creative healing, where black people are centered, the black community is centered. It's, it's key. It is, it is. Yeah. It's part of the self-care. It's part of the well-being. Right. Yeah. And to honor ourselves in like all of our wholeness, you know, like Hakeem and I end up writing a song together in our collaboration that's based on uh, the life and works of Toni Morrison and specifically her concept of rememory and Mm -hmm. of, you know, memories of the past being like, uh, I wish this is one of those moments where I'm like, it's not video. So you can't see this gesture (laughs) that I'm making of like bubbling up from the inside and taking Mm -hmm. human form, you know, like, memories walking around as people but specifically in that the idea of holding the totality of the thing the ugliness too Mm -hmm. you know that it doesn't always have to be like healing is not pretty (laughs) you know there's nothing pretty about it you can't tie it up with a bow and expect it to be done quickly or neatly no none of those things yeah when i think and when you think about the kinds of things that we have to heal you know right you know and it's right and, and I want to make, as I think about it, I want to make this distinction between healing and curing. Ooh, you know? yes, please. Yes. We, we, this podcast isn't about solving all our problems or, no. or, or putting a nice resolution present right. for people. Right. Nor is healing that, you know? Right, correct. Um, you might get back to a place of wellness, but you can still have the scars. Yes, know? yeah. You, you those can still will always have, be part of you. Exactly. And it's part of your story and it's what helps you become who you are, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, so this healing, like you said, is not always pretty. It's not always painless, right. but if, but if it's happening in community, mm-hmm. then you're not alone as you go through the, the, the challenges, the pain, the difficulty of it. Right. Yeah. And like you said before, you know, you can find resources, you can find solidarity, you can find yeah. comfort in yeah. in that community, you know? And that's like, again, everything is lining up. <laughs> Just like, that's 
the perfect segue into our conversation with Vilesa Thompson. <laughs> you know, Vilesa yes. is a disability rights activist and writer and just phenomenal person and thinker. And it just, the, the concepts that we discuss with her surrounding this idea of taking care of ourselves and creating spaces to take care of each other and heal together in tandem, mm -hmm. we need it now just more than ever. Yes, we do. Yeah. I'm Alyssa Thompson. I'm a macro social worker here in South Carolina, looking to move to DC whenever we're able to move. <laughs> I, um, started my activism work in 2013 by creating the organization and the blog Graphic Voice, where I share my perspective as a Black disabled woman and social worker. Um, I'm known for making good trouble, you know, as I like to say in talking about intersectionality, particularly experiences of Black disabled women and families like myself, and talk about how race, gender, um, sexuality, and disability impacts us and our identities and how the world responds to us in return and really calling out the racism that's within the disability community, which we don't have a lot of representation of people of color, particularly women and families of color. And how does that impact, you know, the way that we see ourselves, you know, in the community as well as in the media mm. and so forth. So the, my work is, you know, definitely about impacting women that look like me and empowering women that look like me and in that being able to empower myself. I'm so glad that <laughs> you both are available to do this. <laughs> and just, Vilesa, yes. for your flexibility with, like, the transition to this new audio thing that we're trying out. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah, it's nice because it takes, you know, the element of having to be like, did I do my hair? Did I do the, you know, <laughs> do I look good? Just take it all out of the equation. Though I did, it's hard to see in this lighting, but my hair is blue. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You can see little bits of it when the light catches right. it. Yeah, I just, I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very typical quarantine. It very much is, because the last time <laughs> I did this, it, it was purple, and it was for my 30th birthday, and <laughs> that just felt like I needed to do something crazy. So, <laughs> apparently, that feeling has returned. <laughs> <laughs> It also just shows how vanilla I am that this is as wild as it gets. <laughs> no, look, you're braver than me. I had never colored my hair, so you are braver than I am right now. So. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> In some <laughs> ways, I guess. Well, speaking of hair, um, my boyfriend normally gets his hair cut every week, but of course that's not happening. Mm -hmm. So he let it grow and I he asked me to cut it for him and I did that for him like three weeks ago. And then... Tuesday, he was like, I need it cut again. And it was one of the most stressful experiences I could imagine. Because I'm like, no, you know, because, you know, he's white and he has like, you know, different hair. I'm using the comb and I'm like, it's not going to be even. I'm going to mess it up. You're going to look horrible. He's like, it's just hair. Just cut it. <laughs> just cut it. <laughs> so, so what happened? We didn't finish on Tuesday because I had a call. So he went to work without a hat so everybody could see how I butchered the back of his head as like nobody noticed because he was in his office all day and then somebody said 
what happened to your head? Who was cutting it? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, they didn't finish it. She didn't finish it. Oh, well, we finished funny. it yesterday and it looks decent. <laughs> but I was like, this is the last time I do that. That is the last time. Uh-uh. You're going to have to look like a wild man from Borneo for the rest of this quarantine. <laughs> it's stressful. Like... <laughs> You know, and that's a good thing is he's white, so he has to worry about the lineup too bad. You know, right. <laughs> you know I'm like, a brother gonna let you cut your hair? Like, you say he was white, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Different ball game, you know. No, that was, that was not happening. You know, that was just not gonna happen. No. I was like, that is one brave black man. Let you just do that. Like, now nah, you care about the lineup. I'm like, oh. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like two weeks. It'll be fine. Oh my god! Because yeah, Bernie just buzzes it, so it's just a, an easy buzz cut. This was all oh. with scissors, so I was all like, "Oh, good lord!" Oh my oh. gosh! No, I. You are brave to use scissors. That is brave. Like brave I did. Or foolish. One of the two. One of the two. I did Simone's bangs with a pair of scissors, and I was like, "Nope." That's it. I didn't. I was nope. We just did the bangs. Especially with a ba- no, mm-mm, no, no, and they're all over the place. She's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, the bangs was all I could do. I was like, these are your eyes that I'm right in front of. Stop moving. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, you still have to find a balance of mm-hmm. taking care of yourself in general, and then also because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and then fulfilling. Your obligations to your employer, right. to your family, to yes. yourself, and yeah. to the real. Right. And I think that that, like, there's an extra layer that gets added when you're in a helping profession. Yes. Where you feel, because a lot of us, not a lot, I'd wager to say all of us entered this because we wanted to be useful. Like, we wanted to be helpful, <laughs> you right. know? And so there's that, that feeling of, like, am I doing enough for my fellow everybody, you know, like that? I have to fight as well, <laughs> like securing yeah. my own oxygen mask. Yeah, you do. I was telling a friend this morning about there was someone who she loved, but they, you know, need a lot of emotional labor. And I said, well, you know, it's okay to be like, hey, I don't have the time to do this right now. Let's Just schedule the a time. Yeah. Right, don't have the bandwidth. Let's schedule a time to talk. And I said, let it be on your court, you know, so that they don't think that you're rejecting them or mm-hmm. ignoring them. But you are also conscious of your own capacity you're still working full full time at your job remote doing remote remote now and you have your own you have your own needs and you have a partner and this and that so it's okay to tell people like you know I can't do this in the capacity that you need me to but here's here's what you can do and I know I've had to do that myself and mm-hmm. you know like you were saying helping professionals you know we help everybody and rarely help ourselves and right. I've had to get to the point to where you know, if we're having conversations, it's either going to come from a very loving place, if we're talking about something new, or if it's something that's some drama, it may come from a very rough place, you know, but still with love, but, you know, right. being conscious of my own ability to expend energy into things and people that may still be a little wonky, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what good advice or what support that's there. So being mindful of your own energy, you know, is very important. Yes. Because you can't really give to people when you're frustrated and your mind's kind of everywhere and right. they expect you to still function in the capacity that you were a month ago. Right. Yeah. Like the, the people we were a month ago and the way this, the ways that we operated a month ago, those no longer exist. No. <laughs> like no, there's no, no, there's no going back to that. No. 
There is no. before and there is now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. And there's definitely be waves, you know, what that is. Because yes. going through, sadly, the first wave and then the summer is going to be the second wave with everybody trying to reopen. That's mm-hmm. so irresponsible and people being in this weird space of what do I do? You know, like. Right. You know, and, you know, people want to be around folks who they care about, but it's like, I don't really want to endanger anybody or put myself at risk. No, so it's, you know, people are really making some hard choices and trying mm-hmm. to figure out their um, risk reduction, you know, in yes. those choices. Um, I know some people have been kind of, I think they call it potting up or like creating this bubble with folks um, who can, you know, that they trust, you know, to kind of expose each other to, you know, to kind of have that human contact and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's been happening, and I know there was a recent article that I read right before this call yes. about engaging with sex. I'm like, you know, I think Netherlands was like, no, it's okay if you engage with sex with people that you know or already had relationships with and stuff like that, but not like, hopefully not people that you meet on the dating apps or somebody like that. So, right. you know, pressing people to be responsible, you know, if you're going mm-hmm. to um, expose yourself to others that you know, and make sure there's people that you know and trust and not, you know, you just kind of want to be a little impulsive and I mean some right. cute person that you saw on the app or you know, <laughs> just down the street or whatever like that yeah. so I think mm. that you know right now people are trying to figure out you know how to engage if they can engage and what does that look like you know because right expect yeah. people to kind of distance themselves you know ideally it would be great but for a lot of people psychologically it's not going to be possible but what do yeah. you do you know um, to be able to have that human contact, even if it's just, you know, for me, I I don't really go out that much because of limited transportation here. But you know, just sitting on the porch and just seeing people walk up and down the street, you know, that's all that's fine with me. You know, that's enough contact, you know, without it mm. being real contact. But for me to see, you know, just human beings, you know, walking and just you know being outside, and you know, I think that we really are gonna have to really be creative in what we're doing now. Yes. Yeah. 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 That mention of outside makes me think of how when we first moved to this house that we're in now, one of what Bernie initially considered kind of a drawback is that we're right on the edge of this walking path that cuts through the middle of the neighborhood. And Bernie was like, oh, there's going to be all these people biking past my house and stuff like that. But now I actually kind of appreciate it. You know, like there are opportunities for my kid to see other kids riding their tricycles Mm -hmm. up and down the bike path and wave and say hi. And, you know, like that's, I didn't realize how much we were going to need that until we needed it. (laughs) Yeah, I was struck by, um, the, you know, we often think of creative as just like the arts, like you're creative if you can make art, if you can make a song or something like that. But I love, Valissa, how you talk about creative in terms of the new and different ways that we can do things for ourselves and for each other. So I was struck by the ways we were talking, you guys were talking about supporting each other. And, you know, the idea of creating a space where Black healthcare workers can get together and feel that support. Like that in and of itself is creative. Like people, people don't really think that that is creative. You know, that, that, like that, the new and different ways we can do things, that's creative. Yeah, like I just see that need. Um, I was actually talking with somebody this morning about how everybody's in this rush to do everything now. And I'm like, you got, you know, everybody's going to be burned out by the summer or through the summer. So 
So right. maybe figuring out ways to um, create those spaces where we could all kind of band together, whether it's just black women and families in general or mental health professionals, you know, other um, therapists, you know, healthcare workers, whomever, sort of kind of have these spaces. Um, I know there's been a few people who's been doing that recently. I know some of them are going to continue. Some of them are kind of doing like one, a couple, one or two more sessions of it. But it's really been nice to see these spaces start to develop and, you know, being a part of them, you just really see how you still get that community, even if it's through a screen. Um, because yes. I think that's something that, you know, my frustration with people not taking what they should be doing seriously, people are not also taking seriously what happens when, when we will have to be social distancing, distancing for a well-extended time, what right. happens to the mental capacity of folks. And then right. um, the trauma that people are experiencing from having to be at home. Yes. Um, those are things that... I don't think people are really taking into consideration except for folks like us, you know, who's in this work and we start right. to see patterns and understand, yeah. you know, that people are technically not meant to be ours. You know, we are meant to conjugate and, yeah. you know, be out there. But, you know, as we continue to be knuckleheads, this is going to force us to be more isolated. And what are, right. what's going to happen with people who need that, who need to be at the house and who may not know yeah you know, how to safely do it or do some risk taking to get those um, feel good hormones and being around folks. I know that I have folks who really rely on touch, you know, mm -hmm. and can't really get that right now. You yeah. Know, those type of things that you know, psychologically this is going to really impact us way beyond this year for many people. Right. There will be a whole generation of people coming of age right now, like early teens that are going to have I mean, everybody's got trauma connected to this, but those kids that are like figuring out who they are. Yeah. This is, this is huge. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, growing up with us, you know, seeing Columbine for the first time. Right. Realizing yes. that you yes. can get killed at school. Like that yeah. never occurred. No, yeah. Columbine, that you can get killed at, at school. school. Uh, yeah. I was in middle school during Columbine too. Like yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And then 9-11 being in high school. Yeah. You know, like, Oh my gosh, you know, when the world literally stopped. Like I remember coming yeah. home and every channel every had, channel had it on. Like even the shopping networks. I'm like, when the shopping networks stopped their programming for something, right. you know, it's right. serious out here. Yeah. So every generation, you know, in a way has their own traumatic thing, you know, at you know, either, you know, kind of middle school age, going to teenage years, and mm -hmm. that's and that would definitely be this generation's you know their own thing and you know i don't think they were taking into account you know the ramifications of that of having to adjust to a world that is so uncertain right now right and losing you know all the things that you were looking forward to like hanging right. with your friends and mm -hmm. graduating and mm -hmm. you know i know when you may go to college and all of that stuff yeah you know, that really matters to young folks mm -hmm. it's like yeah. You know, what can we do about that? Right. Yeah. You know, and people are just like, well, it is what it is. And this would be accepted as a normal, like some of the other things that we accept as normal, like school shootings. Right. That's, we accept that as a normal when it's not a normal. Right. You know, so, right. you know, it'd be interesting to see if this is a cycle of things, the normalizing of it and right. our kind of apathy of it. Which, it, yeah, just it like breaks my heart to think about, you know, because the same thing will happen then if we treat this the same way we treat gun violence, which is that yeah. just 
thousands upon thousands of people will die. <laughs> yeah, right. But so, yeah. So yeah, it's just really weird to see people's priorities of whose lives are more important. Mm -hmm. Or the truth um, really comes out now. It really does. It really does when you see when there's more populations that are, you know, um, you know, are being impacted, and yeah. who who can we sacrifice? Basically, these conversations yes. about who can we sacrifice. Who can we sacrifice? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. When you look at your leadership and go, wow, they really do not give a rat's ass about any of us. And I think that honestly, as Black women, we're kind of used to war saying we ain't shit because the world doesn't yeah. back. So right. it's been interesting to see people kind of finally realizing that the world don't value us. You know, we're a... Um, you know, we're disposable. You know, if we're mm -hmm. not able to produce, and it's and by produce, I mean be economically um, right. sound and productive, right. we have no value. So mm -hmm. I think that, honestly, as Black women and me being a Black disabled woman, you know, seeing, being devalued is not foreign, you know, not a foreign mm -hmm. concept to us. So I think that particularly Black women and families have been to me, figuring out ways to empower each other by creating different virtual um, groups, you know, whether it's yeah. like wind downs or just, you know, being more communication with each other, sharing mm -hmm. each other, sharing with each other, um, connecting with each other, checking in, you right. know, because we know that nobody got us but us. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that some of that creativity is figuring out how to use what's at our disposal, which is mainly technology. Right. And learn yeah. how to build support, love, pour into, you know, be a safe space, hold space, you know, all those things that right. we do already, yes. but ampling, you know, amplifying that more due, due to the time. Right. Yeah. Like it makes me think of how um, like Black Music Therapy Network has been having like weekly calls to just check in with each other. One week we played spades, like just to be present and mm -hmm. and and provide space you know for each other to just be because it reminds me of another conversation i had with a, a colleague a while back um early on when all this first got going she was talking about how some of the folks she works with um hospice and spiritual care so she was talking to chaplains and they were all saying um, how they were preparing for, as they put it, the first wave to go down, like oh, yeah. the first line of defense of doctors mm -hmm. and nurses and all those people who were just sort of charging ahead at the beginning to start getting sick, to start getting burnt out, to start, and they said, we're waiting for the first wave, like we're trying to conserve our energy for that long mm -hmm. game, because when the first wave goes down, they're going to need us more than they oh, yeah. think they do now. And I think that's sort of what's happening here too, like we're realizing yes, be ready and be present for the now, but also be ready for the waves to come. And I'm thinking about somebody I know who's had to work through this whole situation because she's at a nursing home. And the sense of, like, even though we, we talk about like, oh, you need to feel connected and care for yourself. I think she's in a place where she's kind of stuck grieving what has been lost, you know? But I wonder how we could, draw in those people who might still be in that place of focusing on the kinds of connections that are lost and to help them realize that some opportunities are still available, but it's just kind of shifting 
their mindset. I, I don't know like what, what could be done for them. Yeah. I, think, I think for me, just allowing people to grieve. I think sometimes we try to rush people to get yeah. to that next side. And I know that for me, like my biggest thing this year that I had wanted to do was travel more. Like I took a break the second half of the year because of burnout. Um, I left my job around Thanksgiving and I wanted to do like public speaking more full time. And it's like, mm. monkey wrench, you know, isn't that now? You know, so look, so trying to re-strategize, you know, what does that look like for me? Like looking at more virtual opportunities or, you know, figuring out, you know, how to market my services in a way that, you know, yield me you know, either income or just connections or bigger network. So, you know, in a way like grieving that, wow, you know, I had these kind of big plans, you know, mm. kind of around the other coffee show, like, you know, we trying to have big fun in 2020 and that just was, you know, just not, you know, knocked over. And I think we just have to give people the space to breathe and to grieve, you know, what they're losing. And, you know, maybe, you know, like you were saying, you know, point out ways in which you can still do these things, but maybe re-strategize or modify what you do. And maybe, um, you know, kind of nudging people to look at that network and seeing what they're doing. Because I think when you're isolated, you know, in our homes, whether you're by yourself or you have loved ones, you know, it's so easy to just to get sucked into the woe is me, you know, mm-hmm. mentality. So I think a lot of people who, you know, have that type of thinking is this really stuck on them right now, which is perfectly okay. But it's, you know, it makes me wonder how do we get them to slowly get out of that while respecting where they are? but slowly get them out of that and being like, okay, there are different ways you could be creative, different ways you could be engaging. That may not be what you had hoped or what you're, what you're used to, but it's just as valuable. And maybe that's something that, you know, to start rethinking about is, you know, these alternatives that we're coming up with are just as valuable as the things that we miss. Yeah, yeah. Like I saw the other day on Twitter, somebody, they hosted, like it was a black women's like mental health um, uh, providers care circle and they held a 10 minute nap session like they all got together and oh. napped <laughs> like they took a power nap and I was like that is actually kind of beautiful like when you talk about holding space like creating space to rest and to have somebody be like I'll come wake you up you know or I'll be you know like just such a little little action or seemingly little action is filled with so much creativity and care, you know, just to hold that kind of space for somebody else virtually. Definitely. And also supporting black women who are creative, you know, either with their music or Mm -hmm. with their um, art, like with painting or writing, you know, just really find a way to be supportive of what they're doing. And I know that there's somebody that I know who has like a paint and sip. They do like almost once a week. So just, again, that concept of, coming together and you know we're talking we're having a good time you know we're being creative so Mm -hmm. take it to kind of in the real world particularly if you know our employment is or art or you know whatever is being impacted by this Mm -hmm. and bringing it virtually so that we're still able to do our passions but in a new way and Mm -hmm. and that new way allows us to be fulfilled as well as give space for others to be fulfilled as well right yeah like it's I the word I keep using with this project just in general is feeding (laughs) you know like feeding people feeding each other you know providing support in that way and it's just really been like 
heartwarming, <laughs> you know, as cliche as that term is, but like to see people pivoting to be like, what if I try this? I can help people and still feed myself. You know, like I think of all of the like people in crafting circles that have turned to making masks, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Like, and that's a way that, you know, if people aren't buying the other stuff they used to make, they're buying these, you know, so they're able to sustain themselves while taking care of their community too. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, we're realizing that we're going to have to save ourselves. And, you know, we cannot expect our government to do what's right. right. Clearly. So, <laughs> clearly. So it's really going to be on us to save ourselves and to find different ways to do that. And we, right. and we see that, like you said, people who are crafty or sores you know, who love to sew are doing the math or mm-hmm. people who have the technology to do 3D stuff. They're being mm-hmm. creative and figuring out how to provide different masks or different, you know, um, equipment to, you know, the medical professionals, the other folks who need them. Right, who yeah. are, You know, you're doing the work to try to save people and, you know, yeah. you know, just us really brainstorming ways to pick up the slack that really isn't our yes. responsibility, but since it's- you see that we have in a competent administration, right. we see that if we don't do it, nobody will. Right, right. And like, I find myself being like in a, I'm in an economic position where I'm doing all right, you know, for the time being, who knows what will right. happen, but for now I'm okay. So I'm also having to be really mindful as a consumer. Like when I go to order, like for instance, since I knew I wasn't going to be able to get my hair cut anytime soon, I was like, let me invest in some head wraps. <laughs> <laughs> just like if we're just going to talk to you about that okay <laughs> uh, uh, if we're just going to grow through this awkward phase let me invest in some head wraps and my like old world not old world but like past me pulled up amazon and then i was like wait one goddamn minute nah <laughs> like where and i went back to etsy i have not been on etsy in a long time but i was thinking to myself let me go support somebody who needs this yeah <laughs> you know let me go be smart about where I'm going to put my money right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of people are doing is, you know, finding those indie artists or mm-hmm. um, small businesses. Right. Really, when you buy from them, you know what impact that you're making with your dollar. You know, right. You're not feeding the machine of capitalism. Right. You know? So it's all capitalism. Right. Have to buy it touches but, everything. But Right. It touches everything. But at least you know that when you... Um, receive a product or a service you mm-hmm. know that you're helping to keep somebody's you know business in in order and right, right. pay a bill or mm-hmm. take care of their family or take care of themselves right but you know that the the contribution that you're making isn't just going to feed a billionaire's pockets you know that right. it's going to help you know a mom or you know aunt or dad mm-hmm. or whoever you know right sustain themselves. Oh, shout out yeah. to the motherland plug on Etsy. Exactly. <laughs> Fulfill a need because you know, we're all going to be looking a little, a little rough over the next couple of months when it's already happening. It's already happening. Like, exactly. it's going to get, get wild here. You know, so, um, but it's just really seeing people be creative, like, you know, even when it comes to beauty stuff, I see yeah. people getting um, nail, um, yeah, nail the press ones. I know yeah, that I'm yeah. looking at stuff too. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a little lazy when it comes to polish. I hate to wait for them to dry, but you know, I can put an adhesive or some glue and press down and for a week or so. I could do that. That's simple. You right, know, so yeah. people are getting creative and learning how to, you know, do their do their nails or mm-hmm. learning, you know, I know that hairdressers on um, YouTube 
Yeah. Doing beauty tips so that, you know, their clients or other folks can learn how to ma- maintain their hair at this That's time. That's great. So yeah. people are, you know, being creative in different ways to have some sense of not normalcy, but feeling like they can be in control of, mm-hmm. you know, of their body, you know, of their appearance yeah. in the best yeah. way possible, yeah. given what's going on. And that can give you all sorts of, like, I find that when I'm able to take care of myself or like when my new head wraps come in or I put on some makeup or something, you know, like that, I feel like gives me just like a little boost, you know? Yeah. And people need that. We need that. Yeah. We need those little glimmers of hope, you know, or the glimmers of joy. Like, oh, you know, I love it when I get happy mail with something, with stickers or something fun that I bought, you know, it gives you something to look forward to in a world where look forward to something is a little murky right now. Just really seeing what people like to do either, you know, they're playing games or they're watching um, more TV or films and mm-hmm. having more discussions about uh, what they're doing. It's been, it's been really good to have that be a break from the news and, you know, just people, you know, having a general, you know, kind of melancholy um, Right. Yeah. Because I see people feeling guilty about having happy moments, you know, during this time. Right, like, yeah. And you shouldn't, because if you enjoy, you know, crafting or playing a game, then be in that moment and don't feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that that's okay. That that's okay. Like, I, I find that, because I don't know if this happened to you too, but I went through, like, a little existential crisis when all of this went down. Like, what is my role in yes, the world? Like, what am I doing? And I've I've sort of come into this sense of comfort with, because I was feeling guilty about it for a little while, but this oh, yeah. sense of comfort with creating space for joy. Like, that is, that's my role, creating space for joy and for things that feed you in more ways than just the physical, right. you know? And that that is valid and needed and perfect. <laughs> it is. Like, one of my, uh, I was having that feeling too at the beginning and someone told me, you don't have to be the corona activist. And that just made me yes. Oh. And I was just like, oh. So I was feeling that what you like, you know, I'm an activist, I see other disabled folks doing something. And I really had to pause. I'm like, yeah, find your lane. Because yes. once, once I paused and kind of looked around, I started to see how some what some people were doing really isn't sustainable on a personal level. Because you can't right. be going hard about this 24 7 that's no, not, no, not healthy no and you're way. going to burn out and it's yeah. going to impact you mentally and physically you know as time goes on for a half a long right in this whole thing right so when i took that pause it made me kind of see everything around me instead of just forward i saw the peripheral too mm-hmm. and it may be like okay what matters to you at this time you know right, and right now it's taking care of me you know and yeah. i've been on my own journey right now figuring out what I want to do since leaving my job. So that's you know, still my priority. And mm-hmm. then thinking about, okay, what roles can you pay, can you play using either your skills or your background? So then thinking about ways to help professionals who are getting used to telework or yeah. really telehealth and teletherapy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe developing a workshop to help them know what tools are yeah. to book a client or creating like a safe space for black women and families, you know, what would that look like? You know, what, you know, from kind of the examples that you see with people that are doing, what are some takeaways can you learn from and be able to create a unique space? You know, and yes. I realize those are the two things that 
matter to me and and those are fine. Now I yeah. have to be the ambulance chaser of the coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. It's just it's hard sometimes to feel like is the role I'm taking now the right one? And how long should I be here? Should I be moving into other roles? Should I be this? Should I be that? It's mm-hmm. it's hard. Like this is this week in particular, right? You know? Yeah. Like yeah. And then I think about like I said, like what what can we do? What can we really do? You know, yeah. like so people are rioting and burning down the police station and stuff like that. And you know, I'm like, well, that sounds cool, but then can I do that? And 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 I, I keep wondering, what's my responsibility in all this? Like, yeah, yes. I, what I, is my role in all this? What is my responsibility in all this? Yeah, like, I I am fine posting articles, calling people, on um, you know, sh- writing my own thoughts and and sharing and and pe- letting people share them elsewhere so mm-hmm, people know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But would I be? I keep thinking, is it the privilege of class that will keep me from joining people in the street? Like, I've assumed, and I think it's largely because of the privilege of class, Hmm. that I've assumed I can do and say and be things that I want to do and say and be. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's coming to the point where it's like, can I? Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. And and what what are the ramifications? Like like even in, in, in our fields, like talking like speaking to um the board of directors and challenging them with the safe spaces issue or stuff. Yeah. And there is a sense of there's a risk, but there's still a sense of safety in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Um and I know like when there are more people, like when I'm with the BMT and when I'm with the music therapists of color or, or other ally um other minoritized groups. Mm-hmm. Um then I feel like, okay, I have people who have my back I, and I have their back. I have support. Right, we could talk. Right. We yeah. can say stuff. But then out here, sometimes it's like, can we? Like, Right. Once I step outside those spaces, no, they don't know who I am. My name doesn't carry any weight. <laughs> like, no, no. I'm so, I'm so, so glad that you brought in the idea of the peripheral vision, not just looking ahead. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? But where am I now? What tools do I have now? How can I be of service to myself and my community now? That's huge. Yeah, because we get so tunneled in just looking forward. And we and what we're looking at is what other people are doing, not mm-hmm. what is true for ourselves. Right. So in looking at the peripheral, we can kind of see, like, you know, when I had my moment of, okay, I see what other people are doing, but that's not yeah. sustainable. And that's not good for me to try to emulate. Right. So what is my lane? And I think sometimes yes. we get so distracted at looking at other folks right. because we have technologies where we're able to see what other people are doing, right. but we don't know the impact of what they're actually having in reality, you know, right. what they're yeah. doing and yeah. on the individual. Yeah. And when I made that connection, it was like, okay, it helped me release that frustration and that guilt that you mentioned about yeah. not doing enough and really staying alive is doing enough. It is, right now. damn it. <laughs> It really is. It is. Like, you know. the world is on fire. Yep. Being alive is a big deal. <laughs> it is. It is. And there's, yeah. you know, and finding ways to be either creative or utilize the skills that you have to yeah. assist, whether it's one person or a thousand people or a million people, is good enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There is a 
role and value for every piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and knowing that not everybody has to play a big role. I think we get caught right. up in that too. Like yeah. we have to be a big player and right. not everybody can be the big player. And somebody's gonna have to, you know, be the back study, you know, have to be the study. You know, there's yeah. only a few actors. Somebody has to be the study. And it's okay. Right. Right. And yeah. That role is just as important as the lead. Right. And to allow yourself the fluidity of moving between roles too, that you don't have to hold the same role all the time. Like you can right. float in and out of roles, like right. just giving ourselves permission to just exist in fluidity, I think is going to be the biggest lesson for me. And I think a lot of other people too. Yeah. Because yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, in the same vein, aren't used to on that individual level, mm. being with themselves. Because yeah. they're so used to having so many distractions. And I think that's right. a main thing, too, and figuring out what role they want to play and what role they need to play for themselves and yeah. what creativity outlets have they neglected mm-hmm. or need to do more of or yeah. um, that will be fulfilled. Because right now, we're really having to learn how to go inwardly. And yeah. I think for some people, that's a very awkward place for them to be in. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what does that look like in collaboration now? You know, I think maybe finding people who are on the same wavelength. I think this is going to teach us a lot about not only ourselves, but those around us. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that people are talking about, you know, I haven't heard from folks, you know, people aren't checking in on me. And even though I'm always the one checking in on them. So really, you know, examining those relationships that you probably suspected was a little mm-hmm. shaky foundation. Right. But this is really showing you what people are prioritizing. You know, in yeah. the same thing, you know, understanding that folks, you know, not everybody is working under a different capacity than they're normal, mm-hmm. but some of those cracks and those foundations that was already there would get deepened. So yeah. really being mindful of, like you say, collaborations, you know, those relationships that we have, whether they're you know, family, uh, relationship, you know, intimate relationships, you know, friendships, mm-hmm. even uh, working, you know, mm-hmm. so forth, like really examining, you know, who has you at the moment, who's able to hold space for you and who are you willing to hold space for? Ooh. You know, so really yeah. digging deep into that. Cause I know that's a little bit of the, uh, what I touched on earlier, like thinking about how much can you extend mm-hmm. at this time and who is extending to you? Yeah. So maybe actually, because I'm also thinking literally in terms of this collaboration too, like, would you be open to the creation of like a Google folder or the virtual space that we create could be something that's like, come here if you just want to be connected to people. And then there can be like folders that are like, I just want to paint. Here's a place where you can paint. (laughs) Like, there's so-and-so is going to be hosting a paint party or, you know, like you talked about paint and sips, you know, where people will paint and drink wine together on zoom or something like that. And we can just have places where if you want to engage in that type of way, you can go here. Or like the other day I found uh, like a painting, like a browser based um, painting program that like lets you collaborate with multiple people on the same piece of art, but you don't have to have any video or audio involved. You're just there and you can see the other person's brush strokes and you can see, yeah, and it's just digital painting. Um, Or like, I want to make music with somebody or I want to, you know, like 
what if, you know, we just created a place where all of these resources that we're talking about that exist out there could just get plopped in and you can just go there and find your space to do something. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, what you just said, that we already have these tools at our disposal. It's just about learning what they are and how to configure them within the needs that exist for the time. You know, so I think that's, I think what you're saying is great is just having different Mm -hmm. little you know, sections of where people can go that fits their needs, whether you want to be on camera and, you know, have your audio or not, you know, because some people, I know sometimes it depends on the time of day, particularly if it's like in the evening, I'm not cutting on my camera. So, you know, right. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have my wrap on and all that jazz. So, uh-huh. um, so just being able to either connect with audio or just nothing at all and still be able to engage in some fun way is, you know, it's just good. And I think that you know, speaking of fun, I think that sometimes, particularly us as adults, we don't really know how to have fun anymore. I think no, that's some yeah. of the, um, the gap there is people not knowing what fun is, you know, kind of mm. tapping into that inner child. I see that people say that all the time on Twitter, you know, a lot of what we're doing now is the things that we may have enjoyed as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. like with the coloring and the um, painting and, you know, learning how to do, you know, different crafts or learning about, you know, different music and stuff like that you know all these things are you know things when we were younger you know we found solace in and you know joy so yeah maybe getting people to think about you know how do we find or recapture that fun and joy that we feel like adulthood has sucked us dry from right mm-hmm. yeah you know as, as you were talking I was thinking about um how sometimes it could be scary to go back and be creative. Like, you know, people have been used to like, this is how it's supposed to be. And now that it's not that, you know, and I think the value of community to know that you can do this with other people. Maybe you're not doing the same thing, but the fact that, you know, out of conversations like these, we can create communities where people are looking at new ways of, of having fun at new ways of, of connecting or whatever it is. I think that might make it so much less intimidating because I can imagine like, you know, if you haven't let yourself have fun for like 20 years <laughs> and now they're like, okay, be imaginative. Like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. What no, are you even talking about? <laughs> exactly. You know, and I think that goes into you know, the, the fear of failing, you know, the whole mm. needing to be perfect, you know, mm. adulthood is about getting things right and if you mess up, they can have these ramifications. And when it comes to fun, fun is about you know, being carefree, you know, and yeah. just doing yeah. whatever. So letting loose, you know, it's a struggle for a lot of people, particularly, you know, it depends on if you have a lot of responsibilities, you know, household, you mm. know, employment, you know, community work or whatever, you know, so you have to be on and be diligent and be intentional. So when you're introducing fun and creativity, that leaves a lot of gray area there that a lot of people may not be comfortable with. Cause like you were saying, They've been, you know, going just one way for so many years, you know, and not, you know, tapping into the creativity is going to be foreign. So I think that, you know, just giving room for people to be like, yeah, it's, it is a little scary to kind of let your head out in a sense mm-hmm. and just, you know, just allow yourself to be. And I think that's another thing is that we don't allow ourselves to be, you know, mm-hmm. in general, but, but in this case, be creative and be imaginative and be carefree and taking risks you know, we don't give room in our society, particularly as a Western, you know, society. Mm-hmm. We really have that type of freedom. And we don't realize how much 
that is actually freedom to just be yourself, you know, without judgment or without um, having to follow the rules or having to get it perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. I'm so glad that we like, I'm just glad that this has worked out for us to get together and to start this process and like have the train hit the tracks, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm really excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. This, um, you know, it's so funny. Like I often think about how things happen and we do things and we think, Oh, I'm just doing a thing. But I feel like this has the potential to really impact so many people, probably more than we can even imagine, you know? Like, yes. this is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> this is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. So excited to be cool. doing this. I'm so pumped. It really, like, Vilesa, Adnike, and I were talking about how perfect this is to be the first episode of this new, like, format, mm-hmm. because it literally is, like, part of the reason why we're pivoting to this format is to make it more, like, accessible and to broaden the the type of space that is created and so to have a conversation with you that is literally about creating space <laughs> is like so yeah perfect. right on the nose yeah, yeah. It's yeah right so this is at. really aligns with what you know part of my vision to do at this time and then seeing where it grows like being collaboration with you all and then there was other families I still I know during that episode that we taped mm-hmm. they really wanted to have these kind of discussions so like phase one is kind of you know, providing resources, community, but also the discussions, you know, that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's another, now I'm thinking that's another folder that should get added too. I just want to talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to do it right now before I forget. <laughs> yeah. Just there it is. There. Yeah. I just want to talk. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, you two enjoy the rest of your day and you do the same. Yes. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Take care. Thank you. It's yes. so nice meeting you. Likewise. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll catch you later. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. And that's that. <laughs> da, 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 da. The resource that we created is going to be in the show notes. You know, there'll be a clickable link there um, to take you to the I Just Wanna um, page Mm -hmm. and to all of the folders that we're actively populating right now and hopefully will continue to populate over time, you know, to, to, to help you find those spaces to connect in community and, and be supported. And we're going to be taking, you know, suggestions and requests from within the Black Music Therapy Network and our broader Black um, communities, you know, that we're all individually a part of to get your input to say, these are the spaces I love to go to. These are the spaces that I have a need for. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, as we move forward in future episodes, conversations, collaborations, that there will be more and more opportunities to populate that space and create and envision all new ones. And I'm so excited like it gives me such like it just lights me up to think about that future you know yeah yeah it's it's an exciting thing to consider like in the midst of um you know it's kind of you know in the midst of all this chaos and hurt that there there is an oasis there is a yes. place of respite you yes know? Like, yeah 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 absolutely and I'm I'm grateful for every every fellow traveler along the way yeah Black Creative Healing is a platform dedicated to radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering Black communities. Conversations and arts-based collaborations are facilitated by Natasha Thomas and Adenike Webb. 
and hosted by the Black Music Therapy Network, Incorporated. We wish to extend our thanks to the Black Music Therapy Network, particularly the members of the BMTN Networking Group on Facebook, for their input and support leading up to the release of this episode. Special thanks also to our past guests from the original Black Creative Healing video collaborations with Anika McDonald, Tiffany Morris, Zelda Lockhart, Paige Reynolds, Dika Rocks, Tatiana Woods, and Hakeem Leonard. And of course, a very special thanks to this episode's guest, Vilissa Thompson. You can learn more about Vilissa and find links to past collaborations, as well as current episodes and details on upcoming collaborations by visiting www.blackmtnetwork.org slash black-creative-healing.